is really how important is it to us? N not collectively, although that works, but individually. How important is it to you, to me, uh, that this center of peace be in place within the center of our being? Without it, we are more prone to bounce off the walls of life on occasion, and with it, we still may bounce a little bit, but recover more quickly. How important is it to find the gyroscope and, and keep it spinning? If important, then as the philosopher would say, well, you're halfway there. And one of the tools is contained within Jesus' admonition of keeping our eyes single so that our being may be filled with light. The key, I believe, is found within the various processes that help us remember uh, who and what we are and whenever necessary to then enable an unlearning process of who and what we are not. Then once armed with this awareness to do various things throughout the day that keep the plate of consciousness, of conscious spirituality, as I like to call it, spinning. When I say keep your plate spinning, you know what I'm referencing? Um, you've seen it in vaudeville uh, on a stick, uh, you know, people who are putting on a, and they can keep the plate spinning and they too spin, you know, it's a plate that is spinning. And we can do this within us as well as we give our attention to something. We are all very busy in our own way, certainly some more than others, but this I believe is the important one for this is the foundation plate, the plate of our conscious spirituality awareness of who and what we are. This is our foundation plate of our connectivity with spirit. Now, understand something, please. What I am really saying is to keep this spirituality awareness plate spinning and to do it on a conscious level. If it becomes relegated to minor importance, as we are allowing the other plates to keep and to take a higher level of meaning, then we are trying to draw our level of peace from places, things, circumstances, individuals who just don't have it to give. I received an email a couple of weeks ago from someone who was responding to my weekly email sharing, and he challenged my use of the word godling as I spoke to our nature, our reality. And I responded back to him with another question, uh, trusting that if he would answer that, it might answer his immediate question as to how and why I did. And I don't know what he received or not because I never heard back from him. So, so who are you? Scripture defines you in a number of ways, and I understand the usage of the word father as well as the words child of or son to be the best that the then writers were capable of using to attempt to define what maybe he or she didn't totally understand in the first place. And they were stuck with the vocabulary of the day, perhaps, and the rather unsophisticated audience whose basic belief structure yet had an anthropomorphic God who lived somewhere up there and did something depending on what we did punished or rewarded. So who are you? All right, let me ask another question. If God is all there is, then there must be some connection between who you are and what the all that is, is. I again 
ask the question. Because I know that even the most sincere seeker who calls some aspect of new thought or metaphysical thinking to be their primary path, even the most sincere thinker always has encounters with old beliefs that surface and that are totally out of sync with what they are really seeking to know about their God identity. Past beliefs, past thoughts, past identities, past relationships that really do not enforce or reinforce at least the godling idea of their identity. So if God is all there is, then your identity has to be entwined with this energy called source or God. If this energy can also be captured within the idea of spirit or omnipresence, then these synonyms or pronouns. Now, if you're an English major, don't have apoplexy over my parts of speech liberty this morning. But these synonyms or pronouns, spirit and omnipresence, must also in some way apply to you. The challenge is that we are so very conscious of the confining elements of the bodies that we wear that seem to shout anything but omnipresence, that the majority of those who have placed their conscious foot on the path of the spiritual journey just simply sometimes place this level of thinking on a shelf because there are just too many non-congruent arguments in their own mind. Yet, if God is all that there is, then this must somehow include you within this isness. How can that be? Who created you? I am willing to accept that the creative beginnings we seek to understand in their entirety are just not available to our finite personal reference points. But we're here. We can't argue that. And in an effort to explain our being here, our elder brother sought to bring the people of his day out of Old Testament darkness into the beginning of enlightenment as father, child, son were used in an effort to describe the connection. And yet even these words imposed limitation, but probably the best he could do at that point. Let's now then reference the infinite presence of pure being, first cause, if you like that, source, God. Can we accept that within our efforts to make sense out of why we are here is found the creative intelligence behind all things? What did God have out of which to create? Let me do that question again. What did God have out of which to create? What did the creative intelligence of, the, of everything, source energy, what did it have out of which to create? Let me be facetious. I like to warn you ahead of time if I'm going to do that. When we want to create a masterpiece around our home, we go to a Home Depot or its equivalent, and we get what we need. The creative essence we call God only had God. In fact, if I can be, allow, be allowed a few human descriptive words to this process, God only had God, and this essence of pure being only knew itself. Why? There was nothing else. There is nothing else. 
So let's go back to the Home Depot analogy where if we want to buy security locks for our home, uh, usually it has, they have many levels of quality for our choices, right? So do you want an Abloy Pro-Lock lock that is made in Finland and costs many, many hundreds of dollars? Or will you settle for a very inexpensive and not too well-made import or many choices in between? So God, only having awareness of itself, doesn't have multiple levels of creative ideas upon which to draw, just one. And it is who and what it is, always has been and always will be. Hence, who are you? See, what I'm trying to do this morning with us is to push the envelope a little bit so as to consciously establish a foundational logic upon which the things we can do to enhance are letting our eye be single upon which can rest. Why? The more we can realize the worth and purpose behind all the tools or processes we can bring to play within our, within our journey will the quicker then let it happen. Now, my spirituality, my understanding of my spirituality, to the best of my understanding, it has to rest on logic. And I grant you, my logic might not be your logic, and maybe that's a good thing. But it's the only one that I can share. Whenever I share through a Sunday lesson, I find it necessary <clears throat> to never say something like, and we can say this in so many ways, uh, never question, just believe, but to attempt to lay the groundwork for the rightness of questioning. I want you to question. I want you to delve deeply within. I don't want you to leave your questioning mind out in the foyer as you come in the sanctuary. I want you to look at what is said or what you, even what you believe with a questioning nature because the answer to any question is found within you where the right answer for you at this point in your eternal journey may not be the answer that the person next to you is using because they are who they are and you are who you are, but it leads us to a foundation as to what we are seeking to know. So who are you? Are you the sum total of the God source energy that uh, is? I like to use the term godling. No, you're not the sum total. But if God can be likened to the ocean, for lack of an illustration this morning that we can use, you've maybe heard that illustration as well. It has been said that you are, that, that you are to God as a wave is to the ocean. That is a good definition. Uh, sort of, you're, you're, you know, you're there. But then for this analogy, each cubic centimeter of the ocean is a micro duplicate image of the entire ocean. So the essence of our being has to also be a micro-duplicate image of that which is God. We are not the sum total, but, and words, semantics, fail to fulfill our moment. We are a unique individualization and a unique expression that is integral to the whole of the essence we call God. Now put on your philosophical bent for a minute with me. If you could ever be totally vaporized into absolute eternal nothingness, God would also seek 
cease to exist because you are integral to that energy. Of course, it cannot happen. Now, knowing this, truly knowing this more and more deeply, therefore allowing this awareness to cook more and more profoundly within our lives brings us to the understanding that as we think in this way, we're not imposing beliefs upon ourselves that aren't already there, just consciously rediscovering at a core level of who and what we have always been. You are a godling, eternal, and your present job description, maybe your eternal one, is to take that awareness and run with it as through dream and desire and plan you become an even more purposeful co-creator, a more purposeful, cooperative component within the process of allowing the absolute goodness that is God in you to flow to you, to flow through you, and to flow as you. Now sensing, then, your responsibility to consciously and purposefully aiding and abetting through you this one energy, therefore allowing ever more wonderful things that you are so deserving of. The deserving doesn't cut it. It doesn't tell the story because you are it. But we like our other words sometimes. The writer of the Psalms is purported to have written, Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the ungodly, nor abides by the counsel of sinners, nor sits in the company of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by a stream of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaves fall off not, and whatsoever he brings he accomplishes. Now, it's Old Testament stuff. Don't get hung up on the words sinners or mockers, okay? For metaphysically understood, this is only a side reference to choices we conceivably can make, each one of us, to focus on things that don't bring the greater good back into our lives. No one is being labeled here this morning. Just now seen, internalized, as possible choices that do not bring positive results as our journey unfolds. So realistically then, how do we meditate day and night upon the law of creativity that while always working in us and through us and as us, we can't shut it off, but to now take Jesus' words to keep our eye single rather than spread across the board of all sensory input which can cause overload as we then, unconsciously many times, feel the need to also keep these new, unproductive plates spinning in our mind and in our awareness. What plates do we want to spin in our journey? What focus do we want to keep? How to keep our eyes single? Well, spin the only plates that feel good. Uh, a present moment example. If you are not uh, pieced, P-E-A-C-E-D, if you are not pieced up enough so as to not allow something that is happening on the world stage that has caught your attention, pull the plug on the input. That's pretty simple. Why? Whenever we are giving our attention to whatever, 
It has a vibrational energy. And if it doesn't feel good, tells us that unless we want its vibrational equivalent to be attracted into some aspect of our lives, and now showing up in the most unexpected of times, we don't want that to happen. Not an act of punishment from on high, of course, just the workings of the law to withdraw our attention from what doesn't feel good. The same law, by the way, that as it returns happy and wonderful things into our lives, somehow we don't dismay that too much. We just sort of let that roll around, but something that is grabbing our attention that doesn't feel good, there's an old tendency to say, well, why is this here? Well, there is a why, and it perhaps can be attached to what our focus has been upon. How to enhance keeping our eye signal? Speaking of input from media by, via radio, television, or print, we have an inner equivalent. And it is found within moments of introspective focus. You can call it meditation, if you don't like that word, call it contemplation, or musing, perhaps. You know, even if for a few moments practicing this technique, practicing it as a godling, not from a lesser point of self-realization. Practice it within your God. That's why we build our foundation for our lesson this morning. Practice it from that understanding. Then it is a tool for keeping the eye single, uh, which in and of itself generates a vibrational energy that becomes the attraction for things that we really want. If it isn't already a part of your day, you can begin easily. Set a timer, five minutes, Give the experience a purpose, a goal, one of peace if you want to, one of understanding, one of insight. And the goal, remember, it's never to change anything out there. The goal is perhaps to see what is out there differently because there is always a different way of seeing anything. The important step is to accept that the more our eye is single toward our own innate godling, God identity, the more we will transfer this awareness to events and circumstances and happenings elsewhere in our life and in our world. Then, in the words of another metaphysician, practice never going forth into your day, into a meeting, into a relationship, into anything in just your humanhood, but as one who is ever seeking to consciously be aware of the designation, I am a godling. It will set the stage for vibrational energies held by you to attract similar from the person, place, condition, or thing that is before you. And the better you become at it, it becomes more powerful than the circumstance, than the person, than the condition, than the relationship. And you can overshadow that. It will set the stage for good